many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Well, welcome everyone. We're so glad that you're here today on Passing 50. You know, now that we've gotten to this age, now what? Um, sometimes you say, whoa, wait a minute, how did I get to be this age? Or you, you kind of think, well, oh, sure, I can pull that all-nighter and finish that report. Or no, I can get that presentation done. And <laughs> you realize, wait a minute, I'm not in my 20s or my 30s or even my 40s anymore. There are certain things that we do have to realize that are a little more unique to our generation and all of those things are are what we like to talk about here and not to say woe is me about them but to say yeah you know what here we are it's happening and let's get on because we still have a lot more to do in our agendas and in our journeys in life so that's what we're here for is a little bit of empowerment a little bit of a uh add a boy yeah add a girl you're gonna get there and you're going to do it, and uh, it just uh, may take a little biofreeze or liniment to get there, but we're going to get there. Today, I'm so excited. This is uh, a wonderful day for me. My guest is Dr. Jerry Stevens. She's the owner of Chandler Bay Resources in Waterville, Maine. Dr. Jerry's a psychotherapist practicing in Waterville for over 30 years and has been in the mental health field for nearly 40 years. In addition to her private practice, Jerry's an assistant professor at Houston, and I'm sorry if it's pronounced incorrectly, Jerry will fix me, is it Hassan University, (laughs) provides clinical supervision to both school and clinical counselors, facilitates stress resilience training, and coaching for professionals, and ongoing ethics and supervision training for mental health professionals, she's dedicated much of her professional energy, educating individuals about self-care, quality of life, and wellness, and is here to spend the hour with us, educating and inspiring us. Dr. Jerry, welcome to Passing 50. Why, thank you. It's exciting to have you here. Jerry, now we chatted on the phone the other day, and you and I uh, do have, our paths have crossed. We shared our first college years together, and that was a number of years ago, (laughs) a little while ago. Now, how did your career aspirations change? Because we were talking about this journey, and and neither one of us, I mean, I started out, although now that I'm back in a form of communication, that was sort of a minor of mine when we first started. I was in education, though, primarily. Um, How did your aspirations as a young woman change to where your career in the mental health industry is today? Well, when I started out, I thought that I really wanted to be more in the science areas. And so I started out um, really thinking that I was going to head towards physical therapy or occupational therapy. So I spent my first two years doing that and um, studying for that, but shifted when I went into, you know, my my junior year in college, just Mm -hmm. 
wanting to work more with people, with how people think and feel, and wanted to come back to Maine, wanted to ski. So I had some priorities that were different, you know, traveling out to, you know, other schools. Maine didn't have OT or BT at the time. So um, I ended up working, uh, getting my degree in alcohol rehab. And then um, just really still not feeling fulfilled because it just, you know, it just wasn't the direction that I wanted to be going in. So I, um, and I worked in a psych unit and then went on to graduate school to be a school counselor. And from there, it just, a lot of my uh, career sort of morphed, you know, working with people, working with families, working with individuals, trying to figure out or develop meaning in life. And I think that's something that not all of us are willing to do, but should, because we may have spent four, six, eight years in college, think we have a focus, think that we're going someplace, then all of a sudden you realize I'm not feeling fulfilled, I'm not feeling, um, like you say, satisfied. Right. And we almost feel obligated. Here we spent this time, we're going to do it, by golly, we're going to do it. But we need to listen to our hearts and say, wait a minute, this is not where my passion is. This is not where the, the difference, my legacy is going to lay in in here. We have to give ourselves permission to move, to move on. That is so hard, too, because when we're young, mm-hmm. we're being so directed by people around us. And mm-hmm. um, I think that our family and our instructors, our peers, you know, we get excited. We tell people where we're going. You know, I can remember when I switched from, you know, the more sciencey kinds of things to the more head kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't at that time didn't realize that there's, there's not really much difference because the head stuff really is science. However, at the time I didn't think that, and I had a lot of people think, you know, try to guide me not to go towards mental health. You know, that it that it was a soft area, um, and it's it is. It's really hard to stand up for what you believe or, or even to find meaning in something, you know, especially when other people are telling you, you won't make a good career that, you know, with whatever your choices are. It is hard, but you have to listen to you, your own right. voice. Yeah. Did you have children when you were beginning to sort of make these changes? So did providing for your family have an impact on yeah. how you made this change? No, no, not when I was younger. Um, okay. Definitely working hard. I've always worked hard since I was very young. So yes. working was and being a career. I come. I come from a family of everybody's highly educated. I was the least educated. Um, so that was critically important. But providing wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, being smart or proving that I was smart was probably higher on my list. Um, so that so that was a piece of it too is being able to uh, focus on something that was fulfilling in terms of learning. Yeah, proving to you or proving to your family. Oh, I to think whom, probably to both. whom are you proving? <laughs> I think both, and I think that that it's not until we get the courage just to be authentic that we can recognize that you know I don't have to prove it to anybody. But I think when, when we're young, we, we get caught in, in whatever the proving is, proving that we can be successful or smart or whatever it is. I think that, again, whatever our, our belief about us when we're young just sort of carries with us until we yeah. can have the courage to say, wait a minute, that's not me. That's somebody else. 
<laughs> and I think in, well, not maybe even in every generation, there's always that uh, keeping up with the Joneses sort of mentality and worrying about what others might think or your impact, uh, you know, what, what changes. If you make a change, what is somebody else going to think? Or, or gee, yeah. I, this one did this, so maybe I should do that. Or he has a car that's a $50,000 car and I am driving a used, you know, <laughs> 1967 yeah. VW bug, you know, that kind of a thing. It's, I think we really have to build in our hearts and, and there again, being an educator, I'm so, I'm such a proponent of instilling self-esteem in young children and maybe even more so girls because I'm very passionate in that arena, being a Girl Scout staff person. Um, I want to make sure that girls have that self-esteem. That exactly. they should feel, I don't care if everybody else in the group says, oh, you're silly. You shouldn't be doing that. If they want to do that, they should do it. They should be able to. That's right. It's, and I think, you know, when you ask, you know, what, what was the driving force for me? I think I have a it's not fair mentality. So I, I have this um, drive to help people feel empowered. You know, and I think when you talk about girls, I think that, you know, often we look at, at women, especially as feeling marginalized. So so I think that that's always been regardless of where I've been since I was young, you know, just wanting you know, women to have uh, equal rights and, and be able to speak up, have the courage to speak up. But but as I've matured, it's both men and women. I work with both men and women, and have discovered that lots of men have that too. So oh, absolutely, yeah. and and I'm sure every sports team has had the one that's been the the lesser strong player, but yet the whole team needs every single player. So uh, yes, you may have your your um, MVP on a team, but um, that doesn't mean that it negates the value of all of the the less strong players. That's right. That's right. And so teaching kids how to have courage. Yeah. Have you, uh, we've got three minutes before the break, Jerry. Do you, do you feel that team sports and team play uh, for, for kids is important for them oh, to develop that? I, yes, I do. I, I'm a strong, strong supporter of team sports. Um, in fact, I'm not a strong supporter of everybody's a winner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, everybody gets, not everybody gets the, the blue, the blue ribbon, but like you were just saying, I believe that everybody has absolute value on a team mm-hmm. and uh, learning how to work together in a team is sort of a segue into learning how to work in a job. Um, sure I is. Important. Yeah. I mean, how obviously, no, unless you are, you know, a call center, even if you're, you are remote and on a call center, you still have to reply and still have to engage with other people on your team. It, it is, it's, in, it's incredible how um, difficult that can be for some people, but yet it's imperative um, in any environment that we are. Yeah. And I, and again, teaching kids and teaching adults how to, Learn how to just be authentic. Learn, have the courage to be able to speak up um, or not speak up and have that okay. You know, I, I think that people are, we have a tendency to be so worried about what somebody else is thinking about us that we get stuck and end up feeling powerless. And, yeah. 
that's driven me a lot in my career as an adult is mm. help people learn how to feel empowered as opposed to being um, empowered, you know, powerless. And then that vulnerability leads to the feeling of inadequacy, which leads to depression, which leads to, leads to health issues, which is why we need you, Dr. Jerry, to be right there to pick us back up again and, and uh, re, re, sort of realign that empowerment. And hopefully uh, we're going to do a little bit of that with you while you're here. We're here today with Dr. Jerry Stevens. She's the owner of Chandler Bay Resources in Waterville, Maine. And uh, I'm just delighted to have you here, Jerry, because you have always been um, such a joyful person. And I know you still are even just as we were when we were young. So we're going to talk a lot more with Dr. Jerry when we get back after this break. Thank you. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. Information about book publishing is power. The power to change your authoring life and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in, and each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. We are here today on Passing 50. This is Robin Boyd with you today. And my guest is Dr. Jerry Stevens from Chandler Bay Resources in Waterville, Maine. Is it a nice day up in Maine today? It sure is down here in New Hampshire. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, it's sunny and actually feeling a little warm. Yeah, yeah. It, the sunshine definitely does perk us up, whether it be winter or summer. We definitely need that sunshine. <laughs> yeah. W one of the things that I hope to do with this show is, yes, have moments to reflect and reminisce, because it is nice to, to think back on, on things that we've learned over, over the years or that we've experienced and benefited from. But mostly this show, um, I hope to look ahead and embrace our past while we're still biz building a fruitful and pleasurable future, because 
you know, whether you're 50, 60, or even 70, most of us are still working. Most of us still have, uh, could be consultants or influence to um, younger team members or uh, maybe an avocation that we weren't able to do because we were too busy making a living to pay the bills when we were younger. Now, recently, my husband retired. It was a number of years ago, and it was early, much earlier than he had planned. Um, and finding purpose in every day is sometimes difficult when you're faced with a life change that no longer is – you're not on that path that you thought you were going to be on. And, and today, uh, Jerry, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, – the lack of purpose and is do you find this to be common in middle-aged or senior folks and what kind of stress does that weigh on individuals oh yes i lack of purpose is devastating and um as we as we age our life does change just what you were just saying our life changes and meaning changes so much we're for many people they're um done raising kids or coming close to being done some people are now taking care of uh, parents, um, you know, the sandwich generation. And it's just, you know, what, what was so important when we were growing and developing, you know, in middle life when, in, or in the aging process, all of a sudden that changes. Um, and, I, and a lot of people become uh, feeling powerless and uh, don't, are in search of meaning but don't even know how to, to search for meaning. They just know that they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I treat a lot of men and women uh, around just who am I? And and I think one of the biggest transitions, um, especially the 50s and above, is recognizing that I no longer can rely on other people to make me feel good. I have to really begin to take a look at myself and figure out how do I make me feel good. Interesting. Yeah. How true. Because we've always been, I don't want to say subservient, but we have always been um, dividing our time between our, whether it be our spouse, uh, learning a new job, taking care of children when our children were babies and young. There were so many entities that we were serving. We were never serving ourselves. That's exactly right. And it's a surprise because we don't want to seem selfish or we're taught not to be selfish, but yeah. really taking care. Self-care isn't about being selfish. Self-care has, I mean, the, the reality of self-care is, is it will lower our medical costs. It will um, increase our quality of life. It will give us healthy longevity. Um, so it's not selfish. It's really um, self-care. How do we give ourselves permission to move into that uh, mm. self-care? I think by recognizing that I have the power over the important parts of my life, like um, exercise and sleep and eating well, um, that I nobody else can determine that for me. And those are like the basic components of stress management. Mm. You know, uh, how I how. For example, just even whether to get, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep a night, there's there's so much scientific evidence that shows that we we all need seven to nine hours of sleep, at, uh, you know, but most people will only get five to six hours. And nobody's going to determine that for me. That's that's such an individual thing. Sure. sure. Uh, and, it's, and it's really hard to, to 
to figure out how to do that or moving. You know, we go from our 30s of for many people doing like high end aerobic moving. And when we get into the 50s, 60s, 70s, we begin to hurt and things change. And um, so we don't move. And recognizing that moving five or 10 minutes is better than sitting on the couch for a long time. Um, so how, is, how does our nutrition um, play into getting into our middle years? Because we can't eat the way we used to years ago, uh, but our bodies need different kinds of nutrition, I would think, don't they? Yes, yes. I, and and, and it, that's, that's not even just about aging, but that's just in general. But yes, as we age, our, 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 how fast we burn calories, our, our metabolism slows down as we age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, we have some control over that by how much we move. Uh, a lot of people, though, uh, haven't, uh, don't quite recognize the power of sugar in that that sugar will actually slow us down and interfere with with sleep and with, interfere with exercise and how we think. And, and so being able to recognize that paying attention to my nutrition, even just minimally uh, eliminating or minimizing the amount of foods that we have that add, have added sugar. As we get older, we don't burn it as well. Oh, gosh, and that's so hard because here we were just uh... – in our younger years, just eating whatever we felt like we knew we were just going to be able to go take a jog afterwards or whatever. And then all of a sudden, our, like you say, we be, we do become more sedentary. Like it or not, we get tired a little more quickly. And we can't eat the same way. I know my husband's got a wicked sweet tooth. Yeah. <laughs> He's got such a hard time right now trying to kick that that sweet tooth. Yeah. And it really, what's off, you know, women, especially because of hormones, yeah. um, as our hormones change so drastically, which has, you know, is a direct link to how, how we burn calories. And so as we, you know, reach menopause or and postmenopause, then we just really slow down. It's like a furnace just slowing down how it, how it burns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being aware of that is, is, can be very helpful. Now, do you find that um, the yogas and the Zumbas and all of the things that most people are participating in now, um, is that something that if we've been really bad all of our younger years and now all of a sudden are realizing, wow, I've got a few aches, I've got a few pains, I've got a few pounds or more than a few pounds. <laughs> yeah. Can can we really like recover, or are, are we just throwing our hands up and saying, "Oh God, I'm doomed"? Oh no, no, no. We I, not <laughs> only can we recover. I mean, it's fascinating to be able to explore how many people, like in their 60s, 70s, 80s, begin to do things like run marathons. Oh. Um, but you know what the trick is? Is that we have a tendency to want everything fast and furious, yeah. and we want the pill to help us you know, so that the weight comes off and that we have all this energy. And one of the problems yeah. is, is that many people will do things like the Zumbas or get into exercise classes and they can't stay with it because it's too hard to keep up because mm-hmm. the body really does need to slowly, gradually um, get stronger and more flexible. And so things like the yogas and the Pilates are the, the first of all they will increase calorie burning you know as much as any 
um, other, you know, exercise. But we, people will stick to it because yoga doesn't hurt, or if it does, it hurts only because it's a stretch. Yeah. Um, but it actually will increase, you know, the the, the uh, metabolic burning as much as doing any kind of exercise. So and that's so fascinating because we're so ingrained with this high intense, the, those, those exercise programs that you see and, you know, they're doing the power things and all. And, and it's amazing to think that a yoga routine will actually do this just as much. That's right. And because so, so much of it is about how much oxygen we take in. And so mm-hmm. I can do a Zumba routine and really burn lots of calories right up front. However, if I do a, a, you know, a yoga, the calorie burn is slower but longer, so it will stay with you longer. So really, in the end, I'm at the same spot, but conti- because I'm doing yoga, I'm going to continue with it because I didn't go home exhausted or uh, hurt. Yeah. The other piece of, of high-end exercise, especially for people coming into it new in their, as they're aging, is that people get hurt. And then we don't want to go back to it. Right. Because yeah. then, and then we give up and we're yeah. back in that cycle and that vortex that just sucks us in. Yeah. I know nutrition too um, is so challenging. We, you get snacking because you're more idle and you're, yeah. you are slower. And that means that we're busy with the snacks instead. I know my husband and I just, um, signed up for one of the delivery services um, and uh, we we do happen to have a, f- uh, a few that are sponsors within our network so uh, a lot of them are very good but what's happening is that we are eating better we're becoming fuller uh, so that we're not snacking but we're also eating because when you, it's just the two of you or even if you're a single person at this stage in life you don't want to cook. Right. Um, and this is something that at least I know I've got a complete meal that's I'm ready to put together. I don't need to search whether I've got the ingredients right. and I'm able to have a complete meal for the both of us. Um, and so by eating better, we are feeling better. Absolutely. And by eating better, you will sleep better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have more energy to exercise your thinking will become clearer so that you can be more mindful and present and not have all that distorted chatter and stuff like that. Um, so those eating better is, has a direct correlation to all stress management and health. It's, um, it, it's amazing what little, um, chemistry goes on, what chemistry goes on inside our bodies. It's, it's yeah. quite, quite amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah I came back to <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We have another break coming up, Jerry. Do you believe in nutri- uh, nutrients as far as like um, vitamins? Do you do you take vitamins? I do. I do. Yeah. Even yeah. though I, I tend to eat very healthy, but I also believe that uh, you know, with all the processed foods and stuff, that it's important for me to just you know just give myself a little bit of extra help. Sure, sure. We're visiting today with Dr. Jerry Stevens. She's the owner of Chandler Bay Resources. If you want to visit more with her, uh, go to ChandlerBayResources.com. You'll learn a lot more about Jerry and her services. But she'll be back right after this break here on Passing 50. 
Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's marching first official 4th of July party was held at the White House in 1801. But did you know that countries other than the U.S. celebrate American Independence Day or July 4th? Denmark, Italy, Portugal, and England all have 4th of July parties. In fact, the British celebrate their independence with bungers and fizz gigs, otherwise known as firecrackers, just like in America. Squib is slang for an electric match used in pyrotechnics. Our dog celebrates July 4th every year the same way, by cowering under the bed. Many European celebrations take place, of course, at American military bases. I'd like to send a special thanks to all our armed forces stationed around the world for everything you do to provide freedom and independence to America. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. Welcome back, everyone, to Passing 50. This is Robin Boyd with you today. Um, I am chatting today with uh, Dr. Jerry Stevens. She's from Chandler Bay Resources in Maine. And if you would like to know more, I uh, mentioned it before the break. I want to make sure you jot down Chandler Bay resources.com because you have some uh, series that you present empowerment models for stress resilience. You have um, a lot of um, different programs and and seminars that you present. And I want to talk a little bit uh, on your website. I noticed you have a quote from John Lennon um, who said, life is what happens when you're, while you're busy making other plans. And I really, this really seems poignant because uh, Stephen and I just, um, we uh, just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. And I know you're not too far behind. You're (laughs) you're right up in that neck of the woods as well. One of the things that I think the two of us really shared was, wait, wait a minute, where did it all go? It just flew by. I thought yesterday we were just, we had little ones in our lap and now they're adults and married and they're gone and they're off doing wonderful things as adults. It's so difficult, I think, um, to think that all of that just flew by and, and we, were we not paying attention? (laughs) And I want to talk a little bit about what does it mean to be mindful? What does it mean to be present? And I, I want to be able to bring that into why, um, even if, even if we've realized that things have flown by, there's still Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, you said what really happened was I not paying attention. I really wonder if what happened was we were really paying attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think when we really pay attention, we're not worrying about what happened yesterday and we're not worrying about what happens tomorrow, even though we have to be, you know, aware or cognizant of where we're going. But Mm -hmm. to worry about something we don't have control over um, just creates more havoc for us. So it's... 
being mindful is about being present right now, you know, just being aware in this very moment. And what that does is it helps, uh, helps our body work the way that it's supposed to, because when I'm worrying about yesterday or planning for tomorrow that I've got no control over, I'm actually creating stress on my body because that worry creates fear and, and the brain will generate the stress hormones. You know, just by, oh my gosh, I was such an idiot yesterday. I can't believe I did that. You know, even that kind of thinking will create the stress response. And, and that slows down our, the, how much, how many calories we burn. It will slow down, you know, how well we digest food. It will interfere with how well we sleep and, you know, this goes on. And so learning how to be present, being really mindful, which just really means being aware of what I'm doing, um, can, can make the mind, brain, and body work together um, efficiently. How does that play into either our relationships with our spouses or partners or even our relationship with the people that we work with? Um, There are times that our partners are out of sync. There's times Mm -hmm. when the team at work is nothing's going right. And here you are trying to be right in into what you're supposed to be doing. Where does that, how do we balance that and how do we maybe initiate or begin to pull, pull things together? Not that we can control others completely, but. No, but we can control our interpretation of what they're doing. Ah. Becoming aware of my interpretation, for example, I think you're doing that to me on purpose or. You know, you didn't listen to me. I gave you the answer and you didn't listen to me. And then I think it's because you think I'm an idiot or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being able to just be aware that, you know, most of us are not ogres and most of us are just trying to survive ourselves. So when somebody does something that feels um, against what I want, instead of interpreting that it's about me, that if we can be mindful and aware, we can stop and say, wow, I wonder what's going on. Um, I'm wondering if you heard me. I'm wondering if, you know, um, you understood what I said. Just being able to be um, to be able to stop, take a big, deep breath and ask myself, did you really do that to me on purpose? Because our, our spouses don't purposefully do mean things to us, generally speaking, you know, and um you know, the majority of us are not, I mean, this is not to say that people who are in abusive situations shouldn't get out, but that's not who we're talking about right now. Right. right. We're talking about general, you know, communication skills. And sure. So being mindful really just means taking a big deep breath, get myself present, not be thinking, you know, I've asked you to do this how many times and you didn't listen to me or whatever, but to really stay focused on what's happening right now in this moment. And then how much uh, does that weigh into just honest communication with that partner? Because you might be fine in and of yourself and you might feel empowered that you're capable of going off. And I know what I'm where my focus is. Um, It's really important to communicate that, though. That's right. But, you know, to be able to communicate also means to let go of the outcome. 
And I think that sometimes we get stuck in when I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm really trying to drive you to do my outcome. And so again, if I am going to be mindful and if I'm going to try to really be present and aware, my goal is to let you know how I'm feeling, but not to drive the outcome. Mm. Does that make sense? It sure does. Yeah. And I think so. you're so right that because think about the arguments that people have in a relationship and think about how long that stress weighs on us because we're not willing to let go. Exactly. Um, and you know, Robin, you know, the thing that's so scary about this is when you talk about that stress, we have our, our brain and our body have an automatic stress response cycle so that if I'm in danger, it knows what to do. And if so, if I run and if I, a car comes fast down the road, I can get out of the way fast yeah. because I'm in danger. But if I'm in a fight with my spouse and I think he's purposefully doing something mean to me, my brain doesn't know the difference between that and being in front of our moving car. And so it's going to produce the same stress response. Wow. And, so, and then, so it's, that's why it's just so dangerous for us because that's where we start creating chronic stress and when we get to be you know in our 50s and 60s that's when the chronic stress really shows itself and so when you ask can we turn it around absolutely we can turn it around starting in this very moment by learning how to do some deep breathing and being learning how to be mindful you know just learning the skills of, of being learning how to be quiet do you see a lot of couples who they've been together for 20 25 years and then all of a sudden, when they are face-to-face, they're realizing that they're having difficulty with their compatibility. Yes. Yes, I, I actually do. Um, and I also see a lot of couples that will recognize that they both have changed, and then they will try to change together, which is wonderful. That's I wonderful. Couples, yeah, I also see couples that after the kids leave, they look at each other and say, you know, I really loved you, and I still love you, but I, we're just not really very compatible. You know, it's hard. And I, it is hard. I think um, one of the things that my husband and I did all of our lives uh, is that uh, all of our married life is to get up and have coffee together, whether I had to get up early with him because he was going off to work or now he gets up with me because I'm the one going off to work. Um he he and I have had that communication, and at least it was one time in the day that we talked. And there was, you know, of course the TV might be on or whatnot, and uh, but we would talk, and that is the one um, thing that I think we feel good that we have had that. Every single day we have that checkpoint. I guess just like in a business, you have a production meeting regularly because you need to all kind of focus on on the production and where yeah. the teams are going. Um, it's a it's, message of value. It is important to, to have that communication. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, it's, it's important to uh, realize that each person needs some independence. And I think – letting that person um, have the ability to do their own thing, so to speak. Um, I think sometimes it is harder because when all of a sudden you don't have kids to be focusing on, you're kind of saying, well, what are you doing? Or what are you, where are you going? (laughs) What are you up to? 
Yeah. And you know, as we age, it's it's really common. One, some studies have shown that especially men aging have a tendency to want to hibernate more, where women want more autonomy. So a lot of times you'll see couples where, you know, one partner starts to hold on tighter where the other partner is saying, well, I don't, I need more freedom. I need to have, you know, more independence. And, and um, that's, that again, is just another piece of the working, the aging couple that you have to work things out. Right, right. Do you think that it's more common that um, middle-aged people are going back to school to finally finish something that they hadn't done years ago? Yeah, I know a lot of people who have done that. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's so much easier, too, because there are these community school programs and that you can take one or two courses at a time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it is very common. Did you ever take – are you um, comfortable taking online courses? I love them. Yeah. I, yeah. In fact, I did my, my doctoral program through Capella University, which mm. was a cross between online and going to residencies. So – and there you are. Here we are on this technology. If we're, we're, you're in Maine. I'm in New Hampshire. Our producer, Karina's in Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, I'm really grateful for this kind of, of opportunity. Yeah. I think that it's wonderful. And, and to us, um, it's true. All of a sudden, I, I do have to refer to my kids because there'll be something that'll come around the bend. And I'm still vulnerable and, and sort of naive. And I'll say, all right. What is this? What yeah. is this? How do I use it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> although I'm way better on the computer than I am with a VCR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, trying to deal or trying to deal with the remotes. <laughs> yeah, you have five remotes, and then that's that's it. That's it. That's that's yeah. over my limit. <laughs> But I have to say I was grateful for some time with my mother because she um, she had had a stroke and uh, I we were a sandwich generation. I, my, we took care of my mother while my kids were still young and um, I was home a lot because she really did need care. But it, that was the time that I went to a lot of sessions and I learned all of my graphic skills, all of my graphic design, because um, art was sort of a desire of mine way, way back before um, all of this digital stuff was. But I was able to then pick up some skills that now I'm able to utilize professionally. So, um, right. you know, you find you find the way to expand your mind no matter what. So, yeah. <laughs> We're here with Dr. Jerry Stevens uh, today talking about um, empowerment, talking about um, making sure that we are present and mindful and moving our lives. And we will be back with Dr. Jerry after this on Passing 50. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. 
Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. It's marching Christmas traditions vary around the world. Citizens of Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve and listen to the national piece of Christmas radio broadcast. Norway is the birthplace of the Yule log cake. And in Greece, many people believe in goblins that cause mischief during the 12 days of Christmas. Captain John Smith drank the first eggnog in his 1607 Jamestown settlement. Nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of summer, jingbangs or crowds of Aussies celebrate at the beach with beer and Skittles. This is the time each year where we have to climb up to the sky parlor or attic to fetch our Christmas lights. What's the word for decorating till we're about to collapse? Flip floppers. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We're with Jerry. Uh, I almost called you by your maiden name. <laughs> That's okay. A lot of people still do. <laughs> I still do in my community uh, go by my maiden name a lot. But Dr. Jerry Stevens uh, is with us today. Um, and we would certainly want you to go to ChandlerBayResources.com if you want more information about Jerry, about her services, um, and about her empowerment model, uh, which you do offer. Um, Jerry, we, we're talking an awful lot about recognizing uh, new paths, new journeys, uh, changes in our lives. It's inevitable. We're not where we were 20, 30 years ago, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something else for us in the next 20 or 30 years. When when you talk about self-care, how do we then say, all right, I've been really bad. I'm overweight. I'm tired. I'm lethargic. I don't sleep. I get up and pee three times a night. Where do we begin to start taking care of ourselves and giving us that permission? Oh, that's a great question. The first thing we begin to do is to not beat ourselves up and to know that I'm not alone doing this. And if you look around, you'll see that there are so many people experiencing the same type of situation. So the first, I, I think the first thing to do is to somehow get connected uh, with somebody who can help you figure out what what are the resources. So, you know, for it might be mental health counseling. It might be going to a, a course like mine. That A lot of people will come to our training just because, you know, all of a sudden they're saying, I need more self-care. Um, but, but to get connected somewhere, somehow to other people so that you're not in isolation. The, the, the best way to um, die early is to be isolated. You know, so it's it's really important to be able to be connected. Once you're connected, though, to begin to look at just quality of life, 
And in, in order to do that, it would be looking at things like, how can I move more? Um, how can I begin to uh, explore some of my nutrition? And, and, and again, what happens to us is a lot of times, because we're so used to living in that fast and furious world, we think, okay, to, to move more means starting to exercise an hour a day, which most of us can't do, especially if we're beginning. Um, or going on a diet instead of exploring what am I doing right now? You know, what does my healthy diet look like? Um, getting enough sleep. So being able to explore what are the things in, you know, with sleep. Am I on my iPad until I go to sleep? Is the TV on to put me to sleep? Do I have blue lights in my room? You know, so, and then learning how to um, take a look at the chatter that's in our head um, so that we can uh, get rid of some of the negative, I'm not okay, I'm not worthy, and so that we can begin to say, I am okay. I'm just not doing it the same as other people. So I think the really one of the big things, especially what I do when I'm working with people, is to help people understand that we're all different. And our job is not to compare ourselves to other people, but to find the goodness in each of us and find how am I different from you and how am I worthy in a different way so that I can get rid of that chatter. Do you find some techniques like um, affirmations, whether it be taking post-its and making a, maybe one thing that you felt successful about today and yeah. putting it on a post-it and sticking it up on, on the cupboard or on the refrigerator? Yeah, I think anything like that. There are There are programs that can send you um, like I have one that comes to me every day is called IZOR, I-Z-O-A-R. And I get a, I get a affirmation every day and then I get to think about it and think how I'm going to use it. Um, one of my favorites is gratitude journals and that you write what I'm grateful at the end of the day, or some people do at the beginning of the day, but oh. what am I grateful for? But more than what am I grateful for? It would be, what am I grateful for? Because this is what this person or whatever it is has given me, um, you know, so I'm grateful for my husband because um, he continues to be aware of some of my basic needs, like, you know, bringing me tea in the morning and taking the garbage out. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Able to go beyond just that I'm grateful for. So, yes. That, and I, think, I yeah I, I I find that there are times that there'll be six things that will go wrong and then the one thing that will go right is the one thing that you have to focus on instead of the other way around you'll have five things that'll go right but you have that one thing that goes wrong and it just brings the whole day down and you say wow this really sucked but well it's, <laughs> it's so it, and if you if you again go back going back to the science. The moment that I'm thinking about what's going wrong, I'm having a stress response. That means those uh, hormones yeah. to, for survival are being released, and we don't want that. But yeah. when I turn it into gratitude, I have a different hormone, oxytocin, which is being released. So all it is is change the way I think, and I change mm -hmm. the chemical response inside of me. So, yeah, it's really powerful. 
Mm-hmm. And finding that is so difficult, I think, uh, for, to, in the beginning. Yes. So having, like you were saying, that technology, uh, where we are so, so driven by our technology, whether it's an app or whether it's just going back to index cards or post-its. My, I have one kitchen cupboard that is just filled with post-its all over the place. And um, it's either going to be our to-do list for the day. It's going to be, uh, and I I find that I do need to-do lists because if I feel like, oh, I did so much today, but I never accomplished anything, at least if I have something tactile, that I have something in my hand that I literally can physically put a little check mark beside. Yeah. It's visual. Well, and there's empowerment, you know. Yeah. Yay, me, I did this. You know? <laughs> yeah. one, one, of, one of the biggest ones that I find for, in terms of connection is, you know, as people are aging, uh, the, the communication, especially when we have kids who live far away. I, I talk with a lot of uh, aging people who will say, you know, my kids don't keep in touch with me. But when you explore it more, they text. And kids, you know, young adults Texting is a form of calling. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people don't recognize that, yeah, I am still connected to my kids. It's just that they're sending me just a, hey, I'm thinking about you rather than getting on the phone and, and you know, calling. And so how we interpret what other people do is uh, really powerful. I find texting is, imp- it's kind of funny because I uh, had a flip phone for years. I at least could make a phone call and there it is. And, um, so did my husband. And then for work, I got a smartphone and I said, Oh, I've just got to get one of these for my husband. And now we do, we're texting back and forth a lot, or he'll send, he'll take a little snapshot and send it to me or whatnot. It's important to keep that communication. Years ago, I'd stick a little note in his lunchbox or, you know, right. I'd just put a little heart or a little little sweet or a little kiss, kiss, kiss or mwah, you know, <laughs> stick it in his lunch bag because I'd make his lunch in the morning. Or if I ironed his shirt in the morning, I'd slip a little note inside the pocket so he'd find it later on. Right. Um, but those are the things. And it sounds so, you know, when you say it out loud, you're saying, oh, is this really corny? Oh, is this really silly? But, you know, you have have to make those efforts with each other and you know maybe it's at work it's going to the person next to you and say wow you did a great job with that presentation or wow I we're on the phone a lot at our work and I'll say you know you really handled that customer on the phone really well you you sounded you made them feel so good yeah yep and that just takes a second to be able to find something good in somebody else only takes a second Yes, it does. And those are the things I think that we need to hear, but we also need to to know that um, we've, we have recognized that in somebody else and therefore recognizing our strength. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, and we have to learn how to do it for ourselves. Yes. Yes. Because maybe there isn't anybody around to say, wow, you took care of that customer really well. But we can say it in our hearts and maybe that's something that we put on our little affirmation board or we just um, feel good about that. Yeah. And maybe it's it's um, that going to get a haircut or going to (laughs) go for that extra walk. Okay, I'm not going to do the dishes right now. 
I am going to go outside and I am just going to walk to the mailbox and back or I'm going to walk around the block for one minute instead of doing the dishes. And we have to say that's okay. That's right. Yeah. The dishes are not going to go anywhere. Nobody cares if there's two cups in the sink. (laughs) Correct. Correct. Except for the judgment I put on myself. Yeah, that's right. And that's what we have to let go. (laughs) That's right. Oh, Jerry, this has been such a wonderful hour. Um, I want to make sure everybody visits ChandlerBayResources.com. I want to make sure everybody does something for themselves. Give yourself permission to put put the work aside for a second, put the responsibility aside for a second, and put that responsibility to making yourself be mindful and present, that this is the most important thing. Jerry, wonderful, wonderful hour, and I really appreciate your time and your point of view and your wonderful spirit. Thank you very much, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we'll have you on again because there's lots more to talk about, and we can do a little more uh, deep dive into some of these topics because um, I think so many times we recognize them, but we just don't know where to begin. We don't know how. We don't know we're, we're afraid. Yeah. I would love to do that. You know, even just exploring to these topics of the empowerment model, that would be, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. So in the meantime, if you're up in Maine, I hope you just tap in and visit Jerry's, one of Jerry's seminars or her uh, events because they are wonderful. And so is Jerry. No problem. We'll, we'll, we'll go to other places too. So. Oh, wonderful. Yep. ChandlerBayResources.com. We're so glad that you're here today, um, and I hope you tune in another week. We've got lots more shows ahead. We, we'll talk some uh, nutrition. We'll talk some excitement. We'll talk some uh, relationships. We've got lots to talk about, so do touch base with us. Um, you're certainly welcome to find us at BeckMultimedia.com. Uh, we do have a website in process, and that will be published very soon, so uh, be sure to visit Passing50.com. And um, Meanwhile, always tune in. We're right here, and we hope that you download the podcasts and visit us again here on Passing 50. Uh, Meanwhile, this is Robin Boyd. We hope you have a wonderful day and be empowered and be inspired and know that you are the one to make the difference in your life. So take care. Thanks for being with us. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax. Passing 50 isn't so bad, and every year after can be great, too. You're in good company. Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50. Passing 50.